our worship series called Encountering God. We're in week number five. Our main verse has been 2 Corinthians 3.18. This has kind of been our verse that we've looked at throughout the series. We're going to continue to look through it. We're kind of taking sections of it, and we're allowing that to speak to us as far as worship. And today, we're going to actually be on the glory of the Lord. Uh, As you look up there, um, basically, that's what we're going to be talking about, talking about how worship is transcendent. Worship is transcendent. When you're dealing with the transcendent word, I thought we'd give this a little bit of definition so you understood what I meant and what I was thinking when I put this word up here. It's quite simply this. The definition is beyond or above the range of normal or mere physical human experience, surpassing the ordinary or exceptional. I believe that when we enter into the presence of God, when we experience the glory of God, it is a transcendent experience. It's more than what our physical body can hold and understand. Because quite honestly, our physical body is going to go back to the dirt where it came from. Our spirit responds to the spirit of God. And therefore, it's a transcendent experience. It's greater than anything that we've ever experienced before. If we look into verse number, uh, as we look into the verse here, we're seeing this this progression as we move in. and, And it's very exciting for me as we're looking at these things. Because I believe that as we are moving through these things, we're seeing a certain pattern that God spoke to Paul to write down about worship. And so today, we're going to be talking about the glory of the Lord, that transcendent experience that God brings in worship. Because that is what God desires for us to do. Not just have a mere physical experience. We talk about this a lot. This this idea of of having an emotional response. Listen, I'm an emotional person. I, I give Fred a card. I try to not cry. You know, I'm that type of guy. I have emotional responses, and there's nothing wrong with having emotional responses. But I think what God really is desiring is more than just an emotional response to him, but a supernatural response, something spiritual that takes place deep inside of us that changes us from the inside out. And so what we see here is we feel the glory of God, as we experience the glory of God, we begin to allow him to do some things in us that really need to take place. That's so important. Before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we need you, and I need you. God, I need you to speak through me. I need my words to cease so yours can begin. You're so good, and I love you, and I need you. Speak through me so that lives can be changed and people can be changed. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's jump right in here, and we're going we're gonna to actually go through this first section fairly quickly. Uh, I want to spend a little bit more time on point two and three, and so I want to kind of get through. I do believe point one is important as we look at this, but I also want to make sure that we we get through these things so I can hit some of the things that I really feel uh, God has been speaking to me about. But the first point that we're looking at is the glory of the Lord is meant to touch every part of us. It is meant to touch Every part of us. Now, when I was a kid, I know when you were a kid, you all learned these things. We all have these, these five senses. We all have these, these ways that we experience things. Now, now, as I put these on here, I wasn't necessarily just thinking about the physical stuff here. Remember, transcendent is more than mere physical. I'm talking about the spiritual aspect here. Okay? Jesus would say that a lot. He, said, he would say, for those who have ears, let them hear. He wasn't talking about people that had physical ears. He was talking about people who had spiritual ears. People that were able to hear the Spirit of God, understand the Spirit of God, and understand what God was saying. So really here, what we're looking at is mainly spiritual. But as, as we understand this, we can see it in many, many different ways as well. But first, we're gonna, so we're going to cover all these because I truly believe that God desires to show us His glory in many, many different ways. First, seeing the 
the glory of God. Look at Psalm 63, 2. It says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Jesus speaks in Matthew 5, 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I put a whole bunch of other ones there. God desires to be seen. God desires to be shown. God desires not to go and hide in the corner and not have us experience him. He actually desires for us to see him. To experience him in that way. Next, he also wants us to hear the glory of God. Look at John 10. This is interesting to me because, again, this is Jesus speaking. A lot of times when we've looked at some of these things, we've gone to the Psalms, which makes sense. But also, here's John, and this this is John recording what Jesus is saying when it comes to hearing the glory of God. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. John 6, 63, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So let's see here. We got, we got seeing, we have hearing. Those are the two that you usually go to, we usually think about when we talk about experiencing the glory of God, experiencing the presence of God. But there's more that we need to see. Next, let's move on to tasting the glory of God. Look at Psalms 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. And Psalms 119, 103. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. I started thinking about this this week as I was putting this together as, about, about honey. I, I don't know if you like honey. I'm, I'm not a huge honey guy. Like if you put it on a sopapilla, I'm all about it. You know, if you see a good, you know, a good sopapilla, you know, but if it's just like, would you like some honey on your toast? I'm like, no. Now maybe I've had the wrong kind of honey. My honey is usually the honey in the, the bear thing. I know that there's a place down in uh, Boulder that we've gone to that's like a honey store. And we go in and they're like, oh yeah, this is honey from this, and this is honey from that, and this is honey. And I'm just looking for the bear, you know. And it's so amazing. But the thing to think about when you realize this is, so whenever I've read these scriptures, I've put myself in the, in the writer's idea. I said, well, honey, well, that's, that's not okay. That's, but you got to remember, this was about the sweetest thing they had ever experienced. I don't have a huge sweet tooth, but if I've eaten something that's kind of salty or whatever, you know, sometimes you just want that little bit of sweet. You want that just little bit of sweet. Here, the word of God, tasting God, is referred to and is understood as that honey, is that, is that desire, it's that, that longing. It's like we have that in us almost, that basically we like the salty, but then there's like, oh, we just got to have the sweet. And here the scripture is comparing Jesus and his presence and and knowing him as that sweet, delicious honey. That sweetness that comes from experiencing him. Next, smelling the glory of God. Look at Song of Solomon uh, 1.3. It says this, the aroma of your oils is fragrant and pleasing. Your name is perfume poured out. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us and offered an, 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 an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. A sweet smelling aroma. And finally, touching, touching the glory of God. Look at Luke 6, 19. It says this, everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. Mark 10, 13, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. Check this out. So he could touch 
and bless them. We talk about that a lot, the touch of God, what the touch of God does. There is power in his touch. There is power in knowing God in these ways. Listen, listen, what this is all about, what God's presence really is, it is a full experience that God desires to do. God wants you to experience him, not in the surface levels, but in all areas, in all ways. It's more than just a simple little thing. It's an experience that he wants to cover every part of you. Every part. He covered it all. Because he desires, when we are in his presence, for us to have a full view of who he is. Because of that, as we move on to the next, the glory of the Lord is meant to bring us a new understanding. A new understanding. Not only does he fill our senses, not only does it touch every single part of us, but now we go to the brain. Now we go to the head. Now we go to that deep place inside of us. Look at Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, we see once again Moses begin to speak to God. And he says this, he says, Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out. And we jump now, obviously, to verse number, chapter 34, verses number 5 and through 8. It says this, it says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion. And sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins on their parents, of their parents, on their children and their grandchildren. Their entire family is affected, even the ch- children to the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. So, in this, we begin to see something very interesting. God speaks, or Moses speaks to God and basically says, Listen, I want to see your glory. I want to experience the transcendence of your glory. I want to experience this. And God basically does something very, very interesting. I don't know exactly what I would have done in that moment, but God does this for a purpose and a reason, and I think we need to understand it. So as he begins to reveal his glory to Moses, we begin to see something happen in basically three different parts. As he's revealing himself to Moses, he starts with this. Number one, God begins with his goodness. Look at Exodus thirty-three nineteen. God begins with his goodness. Now, I, 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 this has been rattling around in my head all well, actually, I put this together two weeks ago. And, and I, want you to st- I want to stop here, and, and this is slightly off topic. I am completely on topic at the same time, because I really believe from the very beginning that, that this was something I needed to focus in on. And, and, and honestly, we'll see if I go any further than this right here this morning. I think it's very interesting that something takes place, and we need to catch this. God comes to Moses. And Moses has said, God, show me your glory. God, show me who you are. God, express to me you. And God starts with his goodness. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. This is God here. You know, I mean, if there's one person that can brag and back it up, it's God. And he starts with his goodness. He doesn't start with his mercy. He doesn't start with his love. He doesn't start with his peace, his joy. He starts with his goodness. And I, I stopped there this, a couple weeks ago. And I said, God, why? Why did you stop there? 
Why did you start with the goodness of God? And, and, and through some, some situations that I'm dealing with in my own life and some situations that I know there's some people that, that, that are not even in the state that are dealing with some of these issues. It's very interesting to me. When we begin with the goodness of God, everything else can make sense. Did you hear what I just said? Listen to this. You need to catch this. There's not very often where I'm like, listen, you need to put down the pen and you need to put down the pencil and you need to pay attention to what God is saying to you. If you do not begin with the goodness of God, your whole view of God will be skewed and messed up. Okay? It starts with his goodness. It doesn't start with his judgment. It doesn't start with his justice. It doesn't start with his mercy. It doesn't start with his grace. It starts with his goodness. Listen, if you can understand, and I mean truly understand, and listen, I haven't truly understood this. I'm working on this right now in my own life. If I can truly understand the goodness of God, everything else that comes after that makes more sense. Why do bad things happen? Why do hard things happen? Well, listen, if you come from a place where God isn't good, you're going to go to a place that's going to bring you destruction and bitterness. Yeah. If you can start with a place that says, no matter what happens to me, no matter what comes down my pipe, no matter how I have to deal with the good times or the bad times, my God is good. It'll revolutionize everything you will face in your life. Because you're going to deal with hard stuff. You're going to deal with stuff that will rip you up and shake you up and, and literally bring you to a place of destruction. It is going to happen. Listen, if you thought you were going to come to church today and hear some guy that was going to, you know, tell you sunshines and rainbows and, and, and awesome. Listen, listen, God is awesome and he loves us. And, but listen, there are hard things we have to deal with in this life. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we get to this place where in our minds we just sit there and go, God, how could you? God, why? God, this. and God, you, you don't love me. God, you don't care for me. God, you don't like me. God, all these things. But listen, all those things come from a place where you basically start and say, God, you're not good. God, you're not good. And let me hear, listen, our Father is good. He starts with his goodness. And when you deal with hard things and you deal with moments that, 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 that just, you're at the end of your rope. God is good. And he's got you. And his plan is good. And yeah, there are going to be moments where you're going to feel like your whole world is falling apart. But please, Never lose the goodness of God. I have seen people I love and care about so much that when the storm hit and the rains fell and the lightning flashed, their house fell. Why? Because they, they didn't believe that God was good. They didn't believe that God was good. With all the stuff in our world right now, I know sometimes that's hard. 
I know sometimes you're like, if God was so good, then why is there cancer? Why is there death? Why is there rape? Why? I mean, you just go down the list and all these things. And quite simply, I think it's this. It's because our God is good and man is not. So get your eyes off man and get them on God because he's good. Our father's good. He's a good father. And there's times, even with my, my little boy, where I guarantee you, he does not think his father is good. But his father can see further than he can. His father can see down the road where he can only see today. And I am not in any way trying to belittle your pain or say you shouldn't hurt because you should. That's healthy and it's good sometimes to have those feelings. But always know that when Moses asks to see God's glory, he starts with his goodness. Because Moses understood God's goodness, now God begins to speak his name. Now God begins to speak his name. Now, remember, names at this time meant something. They were, they, weren't more, they were more than just a name. They were attributes. And so basically what God is beginning to do here is after he's allowed that glory or that goodness to go by, now he begins to tell Moses who he is. He starts speaking using adjectives, basically. He begins to say, this is who I am. I am am slow to anger. I am this. And he just begins to share all of these things. Moses begins to hear all that God is. But remember, it starts from understanding God's goodness. When you begin to look and you go, oh, my goodness. Oh, this, this, oh, oh, look, oh, look what God says about his name. Listen, oh, 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 I do not excuse the guilty. Oh, the the sins of the parents on their children. Oh, oh, God, you're so mean. Oh, God, no. Because it starts with God's goodness. When we begin to see even those things, even the justice of God, even those things that quite honestly, today in our world, we don't want to talk about that are a part of God and a part of who he is, when we see it with the nature of his goodness, it changes things. He begins to tell him who he is. He begins to express who he is. Listen, when God and you are having a moment in worship, when he begins to reveal the glory of who he is, he wants you to understand who he is. Why? Because there's going to be moments and there's going to be times where you're going to be away from this place and things are going to happen and they're not going to be good and you're going to need to be reminded of who God is. Remember, you need to understand something. Scripture is very clear. God does not love. Okay, now if if we stop the recording here and spliced it, I could be in a lot of trouble, so please let me finish. Okay? God is love. Do you understand the difference? God literally is love. God doesn't just love. He is love. He begins to show who he is. He begins to express who he is. Listen, the worship is, to, is meant to be alive with the thoughts and the words of God. And in that, God wants to express who he is to you. He wants you to know. He doesn't just want you to know a little bit. He wants you to know his attributes. He wants to know not only that he loves you, but that he is actually love. So he begins to say who he is. 
He starts with his goodness. He expresses his attributes. He says his name. And then finally, overwhelmed, Moses immediately worships God. You know what I found when, in Scripture, when, when the glory of God hits, it is not a moment of people going, let me think about how my day has gone. To decide if I'm going to worship God right now. There is not this, let's talk about, God, before I actually worship you, let's talk about how my finances are. It's not, God, before I worship you, I want to talk about this thing that you, that, that took place to me back when I was five, that I've never dealt with, but, but I'm, I want to, we don't see that. We see immediate worship. Now, does that mean that God doesn't care about all that stuff? No, he cares greatly about it. But what I've found in my life is when God deals with that is actually when I'm worshiping. When I say, God, you are greater than all this stuff. You're greater than all these things, than, 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 than what I'm dealing with. God, you are bigger. You are greater. And God, I'm going to worship you because you are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to praise. And I'm going to do it. And I begin to do that. And I begin to focus in on him. And I begin to let him. And then he begins to deal with all that stuff. Scripture is very clear. Remember the song we used to sing as little kids? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Look at the order all wrong. We walk into God's presence demanding things. We walk in almost like we're going to sit on Santa's lap. And we sit down and say, okay, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. I want you to deal with this, I want you to deal with this, I want you to deal with this, I want you to do this. And after you've done all the things I've asked you to do, then if there's time left and I'm focused on you instead of on lunch, I'll do a little worship. Have we really forgotten who we are and who God really is? When Moses experienced this glory of God, he worships. He immediately worships. That's amazing to me. Listen, again, I'm not trying to belittle your issues and your problems, because we all have them. But I'll, I'll say this. One of the things I love about worship, and this is me, but I love, and, I, and listen, I still have a hard time with this. I don't know, you know, like I have to really fight sometimes to focus in worship. You know, I mean, you know, it's not like you put a pastor in front of your name or an REV period and all of a sudden you become perfect and all this. It doesn't work that way. By far, it doesn't work that way. And there's times where I start thinking about lunch too. <laughs> or I think about, okay, I got to do this or I'm going to speak on this or, or what about this or, um, okay, are the words, okay, good, that's good. Okay, and, and I begin to, to miss some things and I have to recenter myself back and say, God, right now, this is your moment. But one of the great things about it is no matter what is waiting for me when I walk out of those doors, I can walk in here and I can leave it out there. You get what I'm saying? Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you just forget it and act like it. You don't put your head in the sand and live in la-la land. But in that moment, I can focus on my God and go, God, you have it. You're in control. You are in control. Because why? Why? Why can God? Because he's good. Because he's loving and he's great. Because he forgives my sin. Because he loves me even through my mess-ups and my screw-ups. Because he's so awesome. That's why. And when I begin to know who he is, I begin to just allow him to begin to do things inside of me. 
more than just physical, more than just, as when I was a kid, we called them Holy, Holy Spirit goosebumps. Remember that? Ooh, the presence of God. Why? Look at my arm. No. God's bigger than that. Now, if you have goosebumps and God chooses to reveal it, that's great, whatever. But it can be more than that, greater than that, more awesome than that. Finally, last, the glory of the Lord is meant to bring us to action. Now, we, are, we had a little bit of mix-up. This, this was not Linda's fault at all. Nothing is Linda's fault ever. She does not say that. I say that. But basically, we got kind of our notes cut off here. Uh, so on your paper notes, um, a weird thing happened with the email. It basically cut it off. And um, so we, we, we did get it up on the screen, but it won't be on your notes. Okay? But, but as we see this, something very interesting happens. Look at Isaiah 6. Okay? This is another example of, of experiencing this, this, the, the glory of the Lord. And it says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. That I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and his train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people of filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking... Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here am I, send me. Obviously, we, most of us know this scripture. It's Isaiah's calling. It's Isaiah's moment where God he calls him up and he begins to express things to him. I truly believe that the reason, and this is, I gotta be careful here. I, can, I, I don't wanna get into next week's message too much but because it, it kind of goes in, it flows in, obviously. Um, but I wanna talk about the fact that when we experience the closeness of God, the glory of God, we have a transcendent experience of God. It is, it is there to drive us to action. It is there to help us to get to a place where we can then begin to be used by God. God doesn't just experience it or, or reveal himself to us so that we can hold it into a box and not share it with anyone. It is meant so that we can then go and share what we've learned, share what we've experienced with others that desperately need to hear about Jesus and know him. But we have to see the pattern. We have to see what God is doing here so that we truly understand sometimes what he desires to do through us in worship. And it starts with repentance. It starts with the repentance. Isaiah 6, 5 says this, And I said to myself, it's all over, for I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Listen, I deal with this a lot. With, I've dealt with people. I've dealt with teenagers. When I talked about worship, and I kind of hear this, this trend that kind of kind of comes up over and over and over again. Why is it hard for you to worship? Well, because I didn't do the right things this week. I, I, I messed up. I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And so God doesn't want me in his presence. Listen, you got to understand something. Isaiah is called up to experience the presence of God. He is sinful. He understands that. Listen, it's real simple. If you had a bad week, which we all do, if you've done things you wish you hadn't done, which we all do, guess what? Our Father is good, and He loves us, and He wants to forgive our sins. Bring it to Him, then worship. Bring it to Him. Listen, we do four songs. You got time to say, God, I messed up here. I spoke to my wife harshly. I, I did something. I was impatient with somebody. I, I sinned. I lied. Just, just get it all out there. God, forgive me. 
and then worship. Because he just forgave you of your sins. Because he just washed you white as snow. Hey, listen, if there's something to be excited about and something to worship about, that's probably it. Don't be afraid to start with repentance. Don't be afraid when you get into God's presence because here's what's going to happen. This is supposed to happen, okay? This is a good thing. This is how it works. When you, as an unholy thing that has sin in your life, walks into the presence of a holy God, you're going to probably notice some things that are a little different. It's supposed to happen. Don't run from it. Don't run into the corner and hide. Hey, Jesus came and died and rose again so that we could go to our Father and say, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And Jesus is like, absolutely, let's go. He separates our sin from ours to the east from the west. This is supposed to happen. Don't be surprised. God's holy, holy, holy. You are righteous because of what Jesus has done for you. But you're still going to mess up. You still got to go back to your dad sometimes and say, Dad, I messed this area up. I'm sorry. And allow him to forgive. So it starts with repentance. That's okay. That's good. Well, what happens after repentance? There's a cleansing that takes place. Look at Isaiah 6.6. 6. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to meet me with a burning coal, jumping down. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Listen, when we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, God cleanses us. He makes us brand new. He wipes it clean. It's awesome. Some of you, listen, hear me. You've been walking around with some guilt and some shame. You need to throw in the garbage because that's where it belongs. Because your father has forgiven you. He loves you. He's got you. It's done. It's over with. He's cleansed you. Listen, you understand what that word cleanse means? You've got to understand who's writing this book. This is written by Hebrew people. This is by Jewish people who had, I, they have books in the Bible that talk about, I mean, chapters talking about cleanliness. To go into God's presence, you've got to do this. You've got to wash this. You've got to do this. Touch this. You do, I mean, just. If I get crazy, I mean, literally crazy, one time we'll take you through the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, in its nutshell, is about blood and washing. I mean, there's other stuff in there, too. But one whole book of the Bible, one chapter, so much of it is about cleansing. These people knew what it was to be clean. And when God, listen, and they were doing, they didn't, I mean, what, what, what soap do you use? They didn't have a lot of that stuff. And this is not getting out your dove bar and washing up. This is God cleansing you. Think about that. From red as scarlet to white as snow. That's what God does. That's what God does. So we repent. There's a cleansing that takes place. And then finally there's a call. There's a call that goes out. If the worship team wants to come on up, we'll close on this. Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. Last, there's a call. You know, again, we're going to talk about more of this later on, so I don't want to get too much into it. And worship has lots of different reasons and rhymes and, and places and 
I mean, there's just a lot that goes into it. But one thing that I think sometimes we forget is the call that God will put on us in the midst of being in his glory. You see, I believe very strongly, very strongly, and, and I don't mean to be um, harsh here, and I'm not thinking I am, but just, just so you know, listen, I mean this. When you are done, and I mean when God has done, when you have done all that God has called you to do, asked you to do, God will bring you home. Period. God's not going to have you sit here waiting, doing nothing. If there is breath in your lungs, you aren't finished yet. You're not. There is no age that is too old. There is no age that is too young to be called by God to be a part of what he is doing. One of the things that, that, that why I focus so much and why we have taken a, a, a whole series on worship is because I understand at times, not every time, but a lot of times what I have seen and what I have studied is, be, is seeing this call that takes place when people are in the presence of God. When they are seeing the glory of God, God begins to say these words, who will I send? Who will I send? Who's going to go for me? Who's going who's to take what they're experiencing right now and share it with people? You know, when you think about Isaiah, he, he, he leaves this experience with, with God. And then he begins to go out and he begins to, to speak and he begins to share and he begins to express. I, I want you to think about something. It wasn't easy to be a prophet in those days. Let me put it this way. It wasn't easy to be a God prophet in those days. There were lots of prophets running around saying a lot of stuff to tickle the ears of the king and to make people feel good. It's not always easy to speak God's truth because sometimes God's truth is not always easy to hear. And I guarantee you, there were times where Isaiah was tired and he was disappointed and he was frustrated. And in those moments, I guarantee you, he looked back and he said, no, I've been in God's presence. I know he's called me. I know he's asked me to go. I know he's asked me to do these things and I will accomplish what he's asked me to do. I wanna tell you a quick story as we close. I had a teacher in college. His name was Brother Bradley. He was a neat guy. Is a neat guy. And we would, we would meet every once in a while. I had him New Testament. I just wrote a New Testament. It was like one of my first classes in college. And he was my teacher. And it was kind of interesting. He had just left a full-time ministry position. And he was just beginning to teach. And it was one of like my first classes freshman year. And so we were kind of freshmen together. And we talked, and we were close. I had him for, for homiletics, one and two, and, and I had him from different classes, and we became pretty close. And it was the night or a couple nights before I was going to graduate. And he said, Aaron, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. So we, I went to his office, and we sat there in his office. 
and just begin to weep. And I'm like, you know, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a great guy, but, you know, I'll be around, you know. I mean, you know, if you're that sad, I'm leaving, you know. Of course, I had nothing to do with that. I said, Brother Bradley, what's going on? What's wrong? And he just, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't compose himself. And I waited for what seemed like a long time. I'm sure it was only five minutes, but it just seemed like eternity. And finally, he composed himself and he wiped his eyes. And he said, he looked me straight in the face. He said, Aaron, promise me. Promise you what? He says, just promise me. What? No matter how hard it gets, no matter what people do to you, no matter how good or how bad things seem or get, Never lose hold of your calling. And in that moment, it was like I was still in the room, but it was like I had this like vision of, of this scene in Isaiah. And God was on his throne. There were angels. And God said, who will we send? And I looked around thinking there had to be somebody else. And it was just me. And I said, I'll go. And in that moment, things kind of shifted back right to Brother Bradley. And he looked at me and he said, I've prayed for you. And he said, God is going to use you. And please excuse what he said, but he said, but it's going to be hell to get there. He said, please don't quit. Please don't give up. Please just keep going. And you know what? He was right. There's been some moments where I said, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to go dig a ditch and go home to my family and, and, and I don't have to mess with anything or anybody and I'm just going to, I'll be fine. see in that office I had a transcendent experience with my God and I am not special I am far from it and I believe with everything in me that God desires to have that experience with you when you're in the presence and the glory of God, he begins to speak over you and he begins to call you and he begins to say things to you and he begins to say listen I have things for you to do 
And yeah, it's going to be hard. And yeah, people are going to do things that you don't like. But you know what? They're broken and broken people do broken things. But I'm sending you to bind up the brokenhearted. I'm sending you to speak truth to the captive. You see, in God's presence, the call changes everything. It changes everything. And God desires to do that, not just to a guy that's a pastor, but to every person that's walking on the face of this earth. Every single one of us, God has called. You may not be called to full-time ministry, but you have been called to be an ambassador for him. Every single one of us. And he desires not just to say, yeah, go and do it. He desires to have a moment with you that he brings you to his presence and he brings you to a place and he says, who will go? And you will go because when it's hard and you're tired and you're, you're wore out and you're just wanting to pull your hair out because it, 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 you just, and, and you grab a hold of that and you go, God, I got it. I got it. I know you've called and I will answer. God doesn't promise it to be perfect. He didn't say who will go if it's perfect. He said, who will go? And listen, you've got to understand this. If this church is going to be what God has called us to be, some people are going to have to grab a hold of their calling and not let go. I can't do this by myself. I wasn't designed to do it by myself. The church was never designed for me to do it by myself. I've got to have people that begin to grab a hold of their calling and go, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, I'd rather not. But you know what? I'm called and I'm going because my God has called me. Too many times it becomes the call of a pastor and it's not good enough. I truly believe in our worship. God wants to call us to something deeper and something meaningful so that one day when I leave this place, People continue to follow their calling because I didn't call them. God did. And it takes place in his presence. It takes place having more than Holy Spirit goosebumps. It has our God doing it in a powerful way. Now listen, he may do it differently than he did it for me. God's personal. God reveals himself in different ways to different people, and that is good. Be open to however God wants to communicate with you. There's not a right or a wrong way. But we got to be open to allowing our Father to change us, forgive us, cleanse us, and then call us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, you're so good. And everyone here that can hear these words, you're not done with them yet. You're not done with them yet. If you were done, they'd be home. But they're still here. Listen, Father, they're not here because they want to celebrate Christmas. They can celebrate Christmas in heaven with you. I mean, that, that blows out 
anything that, any lights or anything, I mean, that's, God, they're still here because you still have a call on their life. You still have things for them to do. But God, we can't share what we've never experienced. We can't give what we don't have. And yeah, you reveal yourself with your word and in study, and we should always do that, and that's a part of it. But another part of it is this worship thing. Another part of it is experiencing you right now as a family. It's experiencing you all day Monday. It's, it's, it's entering your courts with thanksgiving and in your, in your, your courts with praise. It's, it's experiencing you at all times, in all seasons, in all situations. It's allowing your presence to change us. It's allowing your presence to do something more than just something small inside of us, but literally transform everything. Father, we don't want just a physical experience with you. We are spirit and you are spirit. And those that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. Transcendence is all that, it's all it is, really. It's allowing our spirit and your spirit to connect and commune and to allow you to speak to us, share your heart with us, express your goodness, show us your attributes. Because the more we know, the more we worship we understand the more we worship so father we love you and we thank you and so father right now i ask for a new call father i ask for people who have been arguing with you to surrender father i ask for people that know clearly what you've asked them to do but they're either afraid or they're making excuses. They're doing something that is keeping them from the destiny that you have called them to. Father, I pray right now for complete and total surrender in their lives. And they know who they are. I don't know who they are. You know who they are. And then, Father, there would be a new desire. There would be a new excitement. There would be a new uh, understanding of who you are and what you want to do. What you're calling us to do what you're asking as individuals to do. The Father, that revival would break out in this place and in workplaces and in schools. Revival happens because there's dead things and we got to get them alive again. The Father, that dreams would be revived, that, 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 that the things that you would desire to do in us and through us would come alive once more. But I truly believe it begins in your presence. I truly believe it takes place when your glory shows up. And then we begin to worship. And then we begin to know you. And then everything changes. Everything changes. So God, right now, anoint us. Right now, call us to a deeper place. God, right now, we ask, as you ask who will go, we say we will. We will. Yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah, we're going to mess up. But you've called us and we will go. And you will help us along the way. You always do. You always have. And you'll do it with us.